Hi, welcome to the Home Spun Yak. Welcome. <laughs> we're here to talk about things again. We're here to uh, yeah. annoy people, and we're definitely not going to be talking about the NBA Finals. No. <laughs> nope, because that didn't happen. That's still yet to happen, so we won't comment. <laughs> and it may may yet yet happen for another year until next year and two other teams are in the, in the finals. That's really true. Know. Yeah, could be a couple of years before we really are excited about the finals again. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just don't want to give a LeBron apologist any time. So <laughs> I'm just going to pretend like it just never happened. <laughs> but I'm, all, I'm pretty much with you though I mean after watching the all the games mm -hmm. which I did watch pretty closely yeah. the dude complains after every single play no matter if he made a shot or if he missed it didn't get fouled he thinks he got fouled if he gets fouled he still complains if anybody else does that, it's a technical, like after the third time. But oh, yeah. the the entirety of the game, he just complains the whole entire time. And that's just like, he's a great player, but that, that stuff just drives me insane. <laughs> and that's coming from a soccer fan. Exactly. <laughs> he's basically the Neymar of NBA at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. But anyway, at any rate, we nobody needs to know who we're talking about. That's how irrelevant it is. <laughs> but we do have a series of different uh, things that we want to discuss. Uh, Kyle wanted to play a tribute on the guitar for. Now I will say this. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if your screen just froze and then just it like sped up your voice <laughs> to no. an insane level to catch up to where we currently are. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if time stopped <laughs> or if just the, just the video itself paused on my end or if I was just caught in some sort of space time continuum. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I was genuinely frightened. For a couple of seconds, there. so I think we're on track now. <laughs> yeah, but we're, uh, yeah, we're on track. We're fine. But go ahead. What were we talking about? <laughs> I was just I was just telling our vast audience. I was gone for about an hour. So. <laughs> uh, I was I was telling our vast audience and your clone. Uh, that you're going to be in, uh, t playing playing a, a song by Eddie Van Halen uh, on your guitar. Oh, yeah. So go ahead and do that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, a guitar string broke when I was practicing oh. for today. Oh, that's unfortunate. And being, being Columbus Day, uh, Indigenous People's Day. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Um <laughs> I, the guitar shop was closed and I could not get my string repaired. So unfortunately I won't be able to play that for you. Um, <laughs> but, but rest assured, he definitely was going to play that. I can, us. and I was going to, and it was very easy to do. <laughs> it was incredibly easy to do. I'm sure. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, but um, you did want to talk about it a little bit, right? Um, the the passing of the great guitarist. Oh yeah, yeah. This is the musical minute. This is a segment on the podcast called the musical minute. <laughs> we have segments that just pop up and die off the very next. Very next podcast. Yeah, you got to switch it up. People got very short attention spans. That's true. Um, yeah, Eddie Van Halen died, um, I guess, last week um, from cancer that he was actually battling for, I don't know, like 10 plus years on and off. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. I think he had, he had tongue cancer and that eventually spread and reappeared in other places and just continued to get worse. But he toured throughout. And I don't think a lot of people really knew a, that he had it or b the extent that it mm -hmm. developed. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, he smoked, he pretty much chain smoked his entire life. So I was going to ask, <laughs> you, you'd, you'd probably put it down to that. Um, but he was one of the greatest guitarists to ever live, I think. And, uh, he was one of my favorites just because of how, how unique his style was, his sound was, um, mm. you know, it's one thing to be good, but it's another thing to just hear a guitar sound and know who that person is. And he was one of those, uh, artists. Definitely. Um, so I definitely appreciated his music from a very young age and actually was fortunate enough to see Van Halen um, in 2007 at the Greensboro Coliseum. Mm -hmm. And this was actually the tour that um, David Lee Roth came back on, um, who was the original lead singer of Van Halen. He hadn't been with them since 1985, and then they announced wow. they were going to do a tour in 2007, 2008. And, uh, yeah, I got tickets and, uh, I went to their second show. I just looked up the, the dates again and Charlotte was their very first show. And then they went to Greensboro and then they did about 50 more dates into the next year. And mm -hmm. then they continued to tour as that band as his brother is the drummer, Alex Van Halen. And his son played bass um, ever since that tour up until their most recent one. Mm -hmm. So he was very much like family first, which is why they kind of ran through a lot of different singers. Well, not a lot, but they had they had a lot of pro problems with David Lee Roth initially and Sammy Hagar joined Van Halen in the late 80s, 90s. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Eddie Van Halen uh, was one of the greatest. And yeah, I've got a little clip here um, from his famous guitar solo. That was a track on their first album called Eruption. And this is him doing it live and uh, just really unique style of playing. Cool.
Yeah, that's uh, that is my fate. Well, I mean, that's my favorite guitar solo of his. Uh, granted, I don't know like a whole lot of them. I, I know a few of their songs, mm-hmm. but not a not a ton of them. But yeah, that's as you hear that and you're like, yep, that's that's definitely Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like almost otherworldly sound, and then the style of the tapping, you know, on the fret. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of actually like picking it was kind of new at that time and was able to give him like that really fast, but really, I don't know, like outer space type elegant sound still, even though it's very fast. So it's just, uh, just really cool. Um, and you know, sucks to lose another musical legend, but like I said, the music will always live on forever just because it was so good. So there it is. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen. He was uh, 60 something, right? Late 60s? 65, I think. 65, mid 60s. Wow. Ooh, man. I, it's kind of strange for me to think that he, uh, I mean, his original cancer diagnosis was tongue cancer. You'd think you'd notice that pretty early on if you're tongue is starting to look a little weird. Yeah, I don't yeah, I mean he had a big portion of his tongue removed apparently uh-huh. and then that got it and then I think it had just you know, it was cleared up and then it reappeared mm-hmm. somewhere else, I believe. Yeah. Um but I'd have to imagine it you know, the years of hard living, partying and smoking probably contributed but i'm sure he had you know life experiences that very few people on the planet would have had so volunteering volunteering yeah (laughs) helping the youth (laughs) passing out pamphlets (laughs) or things like that not many people other ways (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely yeah, there are some there are some uh, wild tales of Van Halen tours in the '80s and '90s that it's just uh, yeah, I mean it's just back when you had that rock and roll lifestyle, and if you didn't do that, you weren't you weren't cool. So you just had to basically pound a bottle of Jack Daniels while on stage and rip a bunch of cocaine lines and you know while he's doing that that solo the lead singers you know underneath the stage having sexual relations with with young women and Mm. (laughs) it's wild it was just a wild time yeah yeah a lot of a lot of bands went through that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. it's a different world it's a different world from the nine to five, the struggle. <laughs> and even in the nine, going off, off the nineties, I mean, you know, Van Halen rose to popularity in the late seventies and eighties, but continued on into the nineties with a different singer, but kind of talking about the nineties, uh, earlier this month was the 25th anniversary of Oasis, uh, What's the story? Morning Glory, their mm. album uh, from 1995. 
And uh, I didn't even know, but I just kept seeing a bunch of like Oasis recommendation videos on YouTube. Yeah. Just like popping up like, and I, and I'd, I've watched a ton of stuff about Oasis too, and I'd never seen these and just, it was all surrounding like, I don't know, just talking about the impact of that album. I don't know if you, I mean, obviously people know like Wonderwall and. I know that song. Yeah. And that was on that, that was on that uh, album, yeah. but there was other, there was also like five other songs on there that were number one hits. And mm. I think it's probably the best. I think it's probably the best album of the nineties. Um, when wow. you just look at it in its totality and the success that it had all over the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I wouldn't have really thought maybe so hard into it if I didn't know it was a 25th anniversary, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the 25th anniversary no, of the nineties. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Sad. That's, that's one way to put it. Makes me makes me incre- <laughs> makes me incredibly nostalgic uh, to think, oh yeah to think back in time. It does feel like that '90s simplicity. I mean, '90s was kind of like the transition, right? It was. I would say it's like the transition decade from having that. Really, everything else, every other decade before the '90s was kind of that simplistic version. Where you when you talk to people and they're like, "Yeah, we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have." the Oof. internet and all that stuff in the nineties was that transition. Mm-hmm. And then everything from the two thousands onward, I mean, even like the early two thousands was a lot like that, but like we had no idea what was going to hit us. Like what we're doing right now over a podcast is not something that was going on in the nineties. Wasn't going on anytime before that either. And, uh, the fact no. that we can actually see each other through a pandy, by the way, that's what I've been calling the pandemic, the pandy. Oh, um, okay. I've been yelling it everywhere. Every time somebody says the pandemic, um, I just go the pandy. Anyway, um, it's 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 <laughs> catching it's catching on. I'm just... Yeah, it will. <laughs> it will. It will. Trust me. Um, <laughs> you better credit me, folks. If you hashtag the pandy, you heard it here first. <laughs> Physionic underscore PhD. <laughs> on instagram Dash anyway. pandy yeah pandy um, boy <laughs> pandy boy <laughs> um so yeah it's uh every time i think back to the 90s i do think about that transition period and like nobody's ever going to experience that ever again I mean, it's not, you can't go back. You can't go back to like removing the cell phone. I mean, you can, you can artificially do it, but it's not, it's just not the same as like just going out in society and everybody experiencing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You can't forget. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you try to think about like a before and after period and yeah, that's probably the the transition where things were slowly building, people were figuring everything out mm-hmm. in the two, well, two thousands. I don't know. Everything just, it was like before nine 11 and after nine 11. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. Yeah. For us, it was before sixth grade and after sixth grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we didn't have much time to revel in the, 
simplicity. No. And, uh, you know, the, the, the good old days. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember what you did on nine 11? I, I remember distinctly what I was doing, but I mean, I was in class. Do you, I, I guess I'm asking, did you end up going home? Cause I remember a lot of our classmates ended up going home because uh, their parents were picking. Them uh, I just remember being in class and then going up. I remember Miss Cooper was my homeroom teacher. Mm -hmm. And going from the class I was in to her homeroom, and then the TV was on because they had those big bubble right. TVs in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like the like <laughs> elevated, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess I guess bolted into the wall. Yeah, yeah. I imagine so. Yeah. Five hundred pounds. So <laughs> I remember Mr. Ba I do remember one time Mr. Baker. <laughs> he bent over to get something and then just <laughs> stood back up and blasted his head. <laughs> he had a lot of mishaps like that. Yeah. He's not a very coordinated individual. Uh, but anyway, I. Yeah, I was in Miss Cooper's class, and then it was on, and you just saw, like, I guess the smoke billowing out, mm. and my, I don't know, people were talking all around about it, obviously, and I don't know, I was like, what, twelve? No, I was eleven. Yeah, eleven. Something <laughs> like <laughs> it's two thousand one, and I was eleven, um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I think my first impression after like a few minutes, I was just, I for some reason thought like fighter jets had shot at the building. Like that's oh, what somebody yeah. had said, I feel like, or like yeah. fired a missile at it. Yeah. And then, you know, you found out why it happened and you see all these people on TV and around you that are like freaking out and devastated and just completely in shock and horror. And so, you know, something's bad, but you don't fully understand. Even when you, even when they say what happened, you're just like, I have no concept of like terrorism or what, what, why they would hit a building with a plane on purpose. Like, what is the building even, you know, mm -hmm. like I just yeah. had so many questions, but you knew it was, uh, like a, a day that you would never forget based on the implications, but I don't mm. remember if I went home early or not. Yeah. yeah. I had a similar about experience. You? Yeah. I had a similar experience. I remember walking in from my class as well and uh, just looking <laughs> up and seeing the, the TV on, like you said, the billowing smoke coming out of the building. And then, um, yeah, you just have the news reporters just, kind of confused on what's going on and then obviously then you see see more devastation and then I think that's when it really sunk in and people were like oh this is this is on purpose um yeah. I didn't understand that but I, I was just kind of yeah basing it off of other people's reactions I I don't think it ever really sunk in though I never I don't think I like I understood what was happening um I was 11 yeah. not four but I, I understood what was <laughs> but happening. But the reasons behind it, you couldn't really fathom it. It just, the concepts were foreign. 
Yeah. As were you. Yeah. You were you were fairly foreign to the country itself, and <laughs> I, I recall us trying to deport you shortly after. <laughs> from, the, from the foreign land of France. <laughs> I, I remember distinctly Kyle got on a table and pointed at me. I got on a desk. Yeah. <laughs> and just just started yelling at me. It, this is your fault. <laughs> I'm deporting your ass. <laughs> France does not support the war in Iraq. What do you think this guy's going to do here? Okay. Get him out. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But we almost did it. Almost, almost. <laughs> <laughs> we reconciled many years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we got over it. <laughs> we got our differences. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I understood it intellectually, or as intelligent as an eleven-year-old can be. But I, <laughs> and I felt the emotions. But I think everybody, it was really a, almost like the purest form of confusion that I've ever seen, uh, mm -hmm. that people yeah. just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I watched some like footage of, you know, people recording in New York City from all over the city that day. And people are like, oh, they hit the, like, I heard they hit the White House and like, mm -hmm. I heard, you know, there's another plane that's coming for the Empire State Building or, you know, just so many different rumors yeah. that spread yeah. out of just mass chaos and confusion. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. The, the rumors were insane. I think I'm sure at some point I probably thought, are they going to hit Wake Forest? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. like, oh, no. like you just don't you don't conceptually think about like it's it's it doesn't work yeah, that way. It just. Yeah, it changed everybody's way of thinking, communicating, traveling. I don't know. It just it changed so many different things. Security, um, the internet changed. I changed. You changed. <laughs> yeah, we had deep seated <laughs> resentment for one another for many years. <laughs> Justified on my end, okay. Justified. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a, a into. I saw something recently. Uh, this comedian Chris DiStefano. I don't know if you've heard of him or I've heard seen of him. him before, but he's from New York, okay. and he he has a clip on YouTube. It's probably like nine, ten minutes of him telling his nine eleven story. He was in high school. <laughs> It's, it is insane. It's so, it's so ridiculously funny. I can't recommend that clip enough to people or just him in general. Just uh -huh. his stand up is great. Uh, okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, well, we also wanted to talk about, speaking of nine 11, uh, Yelp reviews. Mm. Kyle brought this to my attention. How'd you like that transition? Yeah, that's a good one. Smooth one. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to introduce this this uh, topic? Yeah, so there's, I guess, last week, late last week, Yelp announced that it is um, 
putting a function on their website so that people can now select or make people known that a particular establishment or restaurant is actually racist or not. Um, and if they get enough like support comments and then like a verified news outlet talking about the incidents of racism through uh, slander or slogans or something they wrote on the wall or whatever, then they will have like, when you look up a restaurant on Yelp, it'll say, you know, warning, this is a racist place. <laughs> so if you want to keep looking at this, just be warned. We told you this place is racist. Uh, okay. And then it's, and you just click okay. And then you look at the other reviews. It's what it, it appears to be. Um, and I guess, I don't know if there were calls from people to be like, I can't express how much racist this place really is without this option, but I don't know. I mean, you can look at it in a couple different ways of, you know, them trying to in their eyes do the right thing and bring to light uh, cases of incidents of racist behavior or policies of a restaurant that was not, you know, brought to light prior to this being an additional feature on Yelp. But also, you know, we're all human beings and this is a human being run program here. And, you know, when people leave a bad review, they're usually triggered emotionally and that's not when you're usually going to be at your most mentally clear um so i could see in some instances where someone is you know just having a bad day and felt like you know what i feel like i wasn't served or they said this to me because they don't like the color of my skin or my religion or whatever and then just blast that out and then everybody thinks that place is racist when in fact you just assume the worst in someone yeah. and now it's on there for everybody to see and how do you come back from that even if you're proven innocent once it's been on the internet for a long time you're pretty much toast in a lot of people's eyes i mean the thing with like brian callen i think we talked about the comedian like He's now countersuing the person that claimed that he sexually assaulted her 20 years ago and her husband because he can't work anymore. Mm. Like he's just been kicked off everything that he was doing to make money. And even if the claim is false, nobody wants to touch him, you know, and it would be the same sort of situation here. I mean, you would think the intentions are good and maybe it'll do a really good job and isolating things like this, but, um, I don't know. I just, I don't know the long-term implications yet. Um, but I've never been a fan of Yelp or any sort of review for 
like, of course we all look at reviews, like how many stars does this brewery get or something like that. But I don't know to think that someone actually cares and is yearning to read your review of, of a place. I mean, that's just delusion to the highest degree. I mean, you're just a simpleton, a peasant, a commoner, really. Mm. <laughs> I care not of your opinion. <laughs> um, and I, <laughs> and in a way it's kind of like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's certainly one that you can look at from a lot of different angles. I'm curious to see what your thoughts well, are. Well, the way I see it is that um, Yelp, this is all business related. So it's not, I would have a lot of issues with this if this were like uh, specifically trying to be enforced by some like government agency. But because it's a business mm -hmm. trying to change how they go about informing, which is literally what Yelp is, right? You're just informing about different businesses. I don't really have that much you're of a ratting. problem. Yeah, right. you're ratting. <laughs> I don't really have that, that big of a problem. If, they, if Yelp chooses that, hey, we're going to start doing reviews where we tell uh, everyone about a racist business, um, that's, that's fine. It, Maybe that'll work out. Maybe that's that's for the for the benefit. I don't. I have no. I don't really care if racist businesses get ousted or get outed out there. But I think the only concern for me is kind of like what you said, right? Uh, that how do you vet that? I mean, how does Yelp actually mm -hmm. vet that? If you if you have a person who's disgruntled, and this happens, this is actually going to be a discussion topic. Uh, at, you know, when we discuss the next topic. Um, you kind of touched on it with uh, sexual assault that, yeah, I mean, how, how do you actually prove that? And if a person is, is just disgruntled or they feel like something was racist uh, and maybe the, the shop owner was a shitty shop owner and, but they weren't necessarily being racist. They were just uh, being a shitty person then, you know, how do you distinguish the two, especially if Yelp is going to put specific emphasis on the racism part, um, then mm -hmm. it, it does lead, leave a, a, a black mark on that business that may be warranted and may not be. And if it is warranted, I mean, that's fantastic. That's great. I, I have zero issues with that. But if it's not warranted, then again, my question goes back to the vetting process. How do you actually determine what is and what isn't yeah. um, accurate? I think, I think ultimately if you have many reports and maybe even some official uh, sites that, that show that this business is racist, then yeah, I mean, throwing that up there is, is I think part of the review process. You want people to know, you want people mm -hmm. to be informed so that they can make a, a proper decision. Like if I knew that a business that I go to was deemed racist. Obviously, I'm not going to figure that out, right? I, I mean, well, okay, racism, right? And the, the term that a lot of people are using now is that power dynamic. So racism can't be against white people. That's a whole nother discussion. But um, oh, my, my point being that, like, assuming that I can't experience racism, then I'm never going to understand if a business is racist. So I would need those reviews or I would need like a grouping of reviews from 
a minority group to tell me, hey, this business is racist. And if I see a trend of like, you know, if you're seeing like 12 reviews out of 31 that are saying, hey, this business is racist, it's definitely going to make me pause and be like, huh, this mm-hmm. is uh, this is definitely consistent. But on the other hand, if it's just one person that says that this business is racist, I don't want to like just throw their comment out the window. But on the other hand, I, I need to see like consistency. I need to see um, when there's no hard evidence, you need to have some level of consistency so that you can be like, okay, well, I don't want to risk it. So I'm just going to uh, go, go somewhere else. So, yeah, I don't have, I don't have a problem with the overall idea. I think Yelp is trying to be more. Woke. I, I, yeah, that's, I was, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're trying to be more woke. And if that's in their business model, then that's cool. I mean, go for it mm-hmm. and just see how people, how it pans out ultimately long term. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely their, you know, their decision to do it. And, uh, I just, I just don't think you can be a hundred percent accurate one way or the other all the time, you know, with situations like this. So it could lead to issues. Hopefully they're not issues that outweigh the, you know, the positives, I guess that could come from it. So Mm -hmm. interesting to see how it will develop over the coming days, weeks, months. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and on a related note, somewhat related, not related to racism, but related. Well, you'll see. You'll see the connection. Okay. Um, I'm going to introduce. It's a six-minute video. I've spliced it. Um, I'll have. I'll create a link so that people can see the. Ooh, what are you drinking? Uh, Marmagnon de la région de la Révolution. <laughs> I am drinking, drinking a wine. French wine. Uh, Vouvray. Ah, la Vouvray! The Loire. Ah, la bien sûr! The Loire Valley. <laughs> it is. Uh, a grape is called Chenin Blanc. Chenin ah. Blanc. And uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite white grapes. Okay. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Okay. Great minerality, great body, very nice drive. <laughs> Wait, what's minerality? Uh, I mean, I understand just, some minerals, it's minerals, but the... <laughs> I get that part. But like, how do you taste that? It's just like the the, the feeling that you get on your mouth. It's like oh. Mm. It's like a, it's like a stone, like limestone. I know, I know um, what you mean. Yeah. Like not necessarily the texture, but just the, uh, the vivacity, the, the richness, <laughs> uh, the vibrance, um, good acidity usually with that mm. and, uh, just clean. The quality is very clean and, uh, it's great. It's great on its own. It's good with food too. Okay. All right. Noted. Vouvray. I highly recommend it. If you see it on a label, V O U V R A Y, that's the place, but the grape is always going to be Chenin Blanc. 
And where do you get that typically? Uh, you, you can pretty much always get it from an independent wine retail shop. Um, okay. Total Wine would have it as well. <clears throat> okay. All right. I might look that up. I'm always, I'm, I've recently yeah. I've been looking more into white wines. Um, my, my significant other can only have uh, white wine because she gets massive migraines ah. from red wine. So, um, interesting. Yeah. So what, who, what who red wine that? is she drinking? If you don't, if you do not mind me inquiring, uh, shit from shit Creek. <laughs> 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 I she she lives is it really called Shit's <clears throat> Creek? No, no, no. Uh, she she actually has not had red wine. I think in years at this point, um, mm. because of that specific effect. Um, but you think potentially it's because it's a shitty wine? Okay, I mean I'll I'll run yeah, it by I mean, her it if is. you've got a recommendation on a red wine. <laughs> I will run it by her and see if she wants to risk getting a migraine. I, yeah, I don't. I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I don't want her to get a migraine. But at the same time, I don't want her to to miss out on a world of red wine that she might <laughs> fall in love with. Right. And you may share in that love. Oh yeah. And, oh, I prefer red wine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean a lot of the bigger companies like you know i'm sure you've seen yellowtail and oh yeah these big brands yeah. where it's mostly just sugar they dump <laughs> into it and i'm serious yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, serious. I'm sure i'm sure it's called uh chip chipitalization where you add sugar to uh -huh. get the right sort of ph or balance that you want in the winemaking process but yeah i mean it's just uh swill is what they call it okay Okay, but she, so she might have been drinking swill. Okay, I'll ask her. I'll, I'll ask her what the yeah like, yeah what ask are, her a few of the types. And, yeah. yeah yeah okay. I'll be I'll be interested if it does come back with swill if that's what she says or yeah. she might it. she might like uh, biodynamic wines, uh, organic wines. Uh -huh. I mean people. People say like, yeah, you know, people who have like said, I can't drink red wine, I can, you know, and then you introduce them to biodynamic certified or organic certified wines. They're like, oh, that's that's all. That's the only thing I can drink when, you know, in reality, does it make that much of a difference? I mean, I'm sure it does to a degree, but uh -huh. I think a lot of it is mental. People want to be like, Oh, I only drink organic and I only drink biodynamic <laughs> yeah. or natural wine. Um, but anyway, it's a whole thing. People haven't really figured it out. People are like, it's the sulfites that, that help that give me hives and, it, and I need wines with no sulfites and that's just not a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All wines have sulfites to a degree. Some add sulfites, some minimally. So it just depends, but they don't really give you a count on the bottle. But, you know. Isn't that related to um, hangovers as well or something like that? The sulfites? I'm not sure. I know sugar content has a big 
part to play in, in severity of hangover as well. Mm-hmm. Sulfites could, I'm, I'm just not sure. Okay. Because right. like if you, tr- if you crush a lot of like, I don't know, like amaretto or something really sweet, um, your hangover is going to be an absolute nightmare as in comparison to just like vodka, you know, gin and tonics or vodka soda, something that's yeah, not yeah. as sweet. Yeah, that's what I usually opt for. Gin and club soda, actually. I I can't mm. believe it. It took me like a year for me to figure out that tonic had calories. And then I was like, well, I'm going to nix that from now on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would explain your... Uh, Obesity? Yeah. Rapid g- weight gain, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, everybody initially thought it was muscles and then turned out it was all fat. Ooh, no, yeah. all fat. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so this, this, uh, this topic is a heavy one. And I think, so well, we're gonna... we've already talked about nine eleven. So. <laughs> yeah. It can't get much heavier than that. Um, yeah, yeah. And racism. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about sexual assault. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Good. Yeah, I know. What's what better than two white men to discuss sexual assault? Um, <laughs> but but I, I've I've to truncated fact, to, to in fact educate you on <laughs> to educate, sexual yeah, assault to yeah. mansplain you. Okay. <laughs> to mans. <laughs> that's literally it. Yeah. So if, listen. So listen up, folks. Um, so the the video. If you're listening on the podcast, don't worry. You'll still be able to understand everything. Um, you don't have to watch the video on screen with us. But uh, the video was like 20 minutes long. I truncated it to about six minutes where they cover two or three questions. The way it, is, the way it works is unlike last week where we talked about where we had this couple, right? That uh, mm-hmm. went th- through and we kind of saw their relationship and whatnot or their past relationship. Well, this is called middle ground. So this is where they have three people that are for th- this particular topic and three people that are against this particular topic. And then they debate or they discuss uh, with one another. And this is discussing the Me Too movement. So that's what we're going we're gonna to listen to now and we're going to interject Uh, Kyle, just let me know if you want me to pause a particular point. If you're on any kind of social media, I am sure you've seen the hashtag MeToo. Okay, so just going to pause here because they've got some written stuff. Uh, The MeToo movement was founded by uh, Tarana Burke in 2006 to help survivors of sexual violence, particularly young women of color, find pathways to healing. The movement gained widespread attention. Don't worry, I'm not going to have to do this the whole time. Uh, widespread attention in 2017 when high-profile women began speaking out about their experiences. Of sexual harassment and assault. If I were to say me too, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Good intentions, bad ramifications. When I hear the term Me Too, I think of some people that have been rightfully 
taken down. I also think of some people that have been wrongfully canceled. A lot of men are confused about what it really means and they take it as sort of like an anti-men thing or like an attack on men when it's really definitely not. Okay, so now before we get into like the specific questions I end up asking, what are your first impressions of the Me Too movement? Um, my first impressions were... I think overall they were good because it encouraged people to... speak out against injustices that were happening, had happened, currently happening to them um, without ramifications of losing a job or some sort of, you know, like in the 80s, probably, if you worked in an office on Wall Street or something like that. You know, if, if someone like came by and slapped your ass or something like it probably didn't go to HR even. It was probably just mm -hmm. like, that's just guys being guys and like, right. I'll just go home and yeah, it sucks, but it is what it is. And now it's like, you know, it doesn't, it's not that way anymore and you're not going to be you know, shamed or made to feel bad for speaking out about it. Um, that was my initial thing. And I mean, it hasn't really changed much from that. But, you know, I think the way in which it has evolved, if it has evolved, it's when you look at specific cases now where maybe some people are posting things without evidence just on Twitter and people immediately taking that as fact and saying that person's done forever without a fair trial or without anybody taking their side of the story seriously at all. Okay. So it becomes a little bit one-sided in certain cases, but overall I think it really did a lot of good for women, um, who felt like they just didn't have a voice in, in that regard. Yeah. Especially in the workplace. I think that was what I saw it was good at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it was a necessity. It's a, it's a good thing it's yeah. around. Okay. So this is the first question and then these people are going to be debating. The Me Too movement is a witch hunt. Okay, so now for the people that are just listening, both, all three, like three people and three people, they're both in two different groups. Um, again, one is against, one is pro, one is for. And now when they say that, when the, the director says, hey, uh, the, in this case, the Me Too movement is a witch hunt, then they have to decide if they believe that. If they do, then they walk to the chairs. Uh, that are in front of them. And then they discuss it just with the people that first walked up and then all of them discuss it afterwards. Okay, and just real quick again, the definition for a witch hunt 
is according to um, these video producers is an attempt to find <laughs> and punish people whose opinions are put are not popular. Okay, again, an attempt to find and punish people whose opinions are not popular. Yeah, I feel like um, every good intention in the world in the beginning, but I feel like it's it's spiraled a bit, and there's been uh, some people that have been sort of wrongfully canceled, as we say. Um, Aziz Ansari comes to mind, who was canceled for not basically reading the mind of the woman who withdrew consent after having sex with him. I feel like people shouldn't be collateral damage, and rape accusations really destroy someone's life. It's a paradigm now where you have men as the universal perpetrator and women as the universal victim. That's for me what it's become. And I just think it's hugely problematic. And I mean, how can you vilify like half the population? Men are not even allowed to be a part of this dialogue. A lot of men are abused in, in corporations. So it isn't just about women, it is about the abuse of power. Can I have my disagreeers come join the conversation? I have a big issue with the term witch hunt. It feels like a very convenient political term to sort of distance ourselves from what's really happening in the Me Too movement. So, so what would you term it as then? I think it's a movement to examine the power structures and the very real ways that people are falling victim to predation that is upheld by a criminal justice system that allows it to continue to be the case. But I think that there is a similarity when you consider the fact that many people who support the hashtag in the movement, they really do set aside due process, which is really what happened to women during the actual witch hunts. I think that a lot of times when you see hashtags like believe all women, believe women, and there's no nuance and that just has to be the case, but when we get into, you're not saying believe some women, or you're not saying not all men, that we're not really getting at the core of the issue, which is the abuse. And it's not saying like men are all bad or anything like that, but it is saying that maybe we should examine the people who are in power. And since most of those power, people in power are men, then perhaps we should examine the dynamics and gender and everything like that. I fear. Okay, so that was that um, that first question. Again, I had to splice certain mm -hmm. certain aspects. Um, you know, it's funny that I actually sort of agree with both sides. Um, I, I mean, one, I support the Me Too movement. Um, two, I, I think that the the pro Me Too movement, like that one woman, was focused a little too much on the definition of witch hunt. I do think that the Me Too mm -hmm. movement is a witch hunt, and but that's not a bad thing. I think that's a great thing. That's the powerful aspect of it, um, that you're trying to hunt, quote-unquote, hunt, uh, usually men. Well, actually, let's be real. It's pretty much only men. Um, when we're talking about specifically the Me Too movement, not, not that men can't be sexually assaulted, but the Me Too movement is surrounding uh, women, as we saw by the definition at the beginning. Um, so... I do think that it's a justified witch hunt, that it makes sense that uh, having this witch hunt is a necessity, like I said before. So I don't th consider that to be a negative, uh, but I think you even mentioned it this, this at the outset that I agree with some of the, the other women that were on the anti side uh, saying that, yeah, it, it very much is, there are situations where there's this cancel culture of like, oh, this person was accused, therefore we cancel them. And you were talking about, what was Brian Callen was his name? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So mm -hmm. he's 
as far as I know, he's innocent, um, but uh, he lost everything, or at least all of his employment. So, I mean, clearly it's damaged his life quite a bit just by somebody just opening their mouth and saying, hey, uh, I was sexually assaulted, which may, at least with me not knowing anything, the assumption that I'm going with is that uh, that was not the case, or at least there's no proof. At least there's no proof um, that that's yeah. the case. So the idea of innocent until proven guilty, I mean, just like in public opinion, that just seems to never pan out. It's like people just go with their emotions and they don't take a mm-hmm. step back to, to examine what reality is. But uh, the Me Too movement as a whole uh, makes complete sense. And I do think that men should be held accountable. I think that a lot of things that men that we've kind of perpetuated over decades of time what's acceptable i mean you you gave an example of like what might be acceptable in the 80s right like like that's that's never really been acceptable just women just never have had a platform by which that they can actually call out these actions and say hey you know that's mm-hmm. incredibly fucked up and now that they do um you know i i didn't all that i didn't really enjoy that guy's explanation of his his quick point about saying that men also go through stuff i mean okay i mean that's i agree like yeah (laughs) men go through stuff but like men get taken seriously or maybe not with sexual assault i I will say probably not as much with sexual assault because in in male culture it's very much like what a girl like grabbed you like dude that's awesome you know yeah it's it's Um, hashtag high five yeah exactly so it is it is different so i understand that aspect but i I think men struggle with a lot less of that being being suppressed that than women do so i think he's missing the point that me too is specifically to raise women up to a point where they are equal with men and where they can actually be heard. So in that regard, I, I disagree with his point. But overall, uh, I, it's kind of a mixture between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I can definitely see both sides. And I think that's, you know, my take on a, on a good amount of things is, especially today, is like, you know, I can see where this side's coming from. And I can also see where this side is coming from and you know with the side that is anti you know when we talked about people being canceled based on just a simple accusation um i think you have a huge push now from you know because the media really blows these things out of control and kind of dictates and gives platform to these things and uh allows these situations to spiral out of control on a more massive global like magnifying glass on the particular situation Mm. and then if you have sponsors if you work for a corporation if you work for you know if you're on a tv show or whatever you know this is especially in hollywood um then you're done and the reason why you're seeing joe rogan and joey diaz and all these comedians leaving la is because they're like we don't need LA anymore to, you don't need LA to be famous anymore. It used to be, you go to LA and you become an actor, you become, you become someone. Now you can do, you can do that from your own home. I mean, they've established themselves that way in LA, but now they're like, 
looking around and they're like, it's just, I want to be in control of everything. Mm. And I can do that. I actually don't need LA or someone looking over my shoulder. Or if one thing comes out about something I did 30 years ago, I'm not going to get canceled. I'm just going to move on and let people online argue about it. And yeah. people in real life uh, don't give a shit. So um, I don't know. That's probably way off topic, but that's just more like the rep the the ramifications of when it can go too extreme on the negative side and that's very unfortunate because you're then taking away from credible stories from women who have really been done wrong you know hmm. and i yeah. think that's majority of the stories but the smaller ones where it's like wow you've actually made something up to ruin somebody's career because you just don't like them hmm. those get blown up sometimes even bigger and that's unfortunate yeah and nothing happens to those people that's no that's, no no nothing that's the crazy part. it only happens to the person they accuse even when we know it's false they can't they can't get any work that's why everybody's just like i'm just doing a patreon now i'm doing this i'm doing that so 2020 has been wild for that kind of stuff yeah okay let's move on. I fear false accusation. So that's the topic we were just touching on, but they're going to touch on it a <clears> lot <throat> more. All right. I fear false accusations. Uh, I, I, I am a big proponent of equality with women. I don't want to be, because I'm on the anti-Me Too side here, classified as a misogynist. I believe that the Me Too movement has swung way too far, and a lot of men that I know are deeply concerned about, and I refer to the Harvard Business Review study that just came out three months ago that suggested that 58% of men are deeply concerned about being falsely accused. That's changed my behavior in my life. I will no longer date somebody in my industry. What's gonna happen in six months or in a year from now when we've had a great relationship and it comes to its natural course of end and something happens where she's got this idea in her head that I did something to wrong her. All she needs to say is he sexually assaulted me. He did something. And then it's he said, she said, and I lose my job. I lose my income. I can no longer support my, my boys. That does not happen. It absolutely it happens. Does not happen it happens every single day. No, mostly we can't just people pretend it are pushed happen, off. It, okay, it could happen. I think that you're talking about, well, men are scared now to, you know, be alone or whatever. And I think that's really just like men finally being held accountable for the, for, or maybe not even held accountable, just like be aware of the space that you're taking up and your actions. So yeah, we're talking about false accusations. And I've been falsely accused of sexual assault and absolutely nothing has happened to me. My reputation is not ruined. I can get a job, I can go to school because I didn't sexually assault anyone. With all due respect, you're at a much different place in your life than other people who have careers, who have jobs, who have families. You're a college student and you are not at a place right now where you're carrying those responsibilities. But I think, and, and, I think like what, why are you, I mean, if you know you're a good dude and you don't inappropriately yes. touch women, like what? He doesn't know the women so, are good so, women. So for, for the past 30 years, I've been working in corporations and I've worked with a lot of phenomenal, incredible, dynamic, powerful women. 
maybe 10 years ago, I was going on business trips and we were having dinners and, you know, people are having drinks and things can happen. I'm not suggesting that anything inappropriate happened. But today, that would not be something that I would entertain. It's not about me being uncomfortable. It is that 58% of men, that's 60% almost of men today say that they are uncomfortable being in a, in, in a business relationship with a woman where they cannot be on a one-to-one. And that is impacting, that's impacting women in their ability to progress in corporations. And I don't want to see that. I fear false accusations because when we actually look at what a false accusation is, it's an incomplete accusation. Or it's a lie. It can be a lie, too. Or it's an accusation where the police were unable to obtain all necessary information in order to pursue whatever truth was there. You're right. There could be a small percentage of lies in there. But we also can't get blinded by what we think or want to think a false accusation is because it's politically convenient. Because we want to, you know, make it sound like, well, it's, it's your responsibility to ensure your economic future. So, you know, take it as a serious threat that I don't want to be with women in a space because of what's happening. I feel like all of us are talking about real harm, like yeah. real harm. And so it's sad that we talk about false accusations and we start throwing all these distractions out there when there's real harm that we could probably all be really good at solving together. Okay, so that's the end. Uh, I just wanted to go through two, <clears throat> two segments of, of this thing. Uh, hmm. I, will, I will say that that one guy citing the Harvard study or Harvard review or whatever you want to call it saying that men are uncomfortable that that honestly that doesn't mean anything to me uh because th that doesn't that doesn't actually separate men that that try and do things correctly uh and they feel uncomfortable that doesn't separate them from the people who the men who would love to keep the status quo and therefore they are uncomfortable uh, those are all put together into one lump sum. So, you know, you don't know what percentage of those, those men are people that should be held accountable. So the fact that they are uncomfortable is exactly the point. I mean, that's literally the point of the Me Too movement. Um, then the other guy steps in and also says something that I find kind of ironic uh, is he said, well, if you're a good man, then you have nothing to worry about. And <laughs> I find that comical because that's what conservatives use that exact same uh, point about uh, being stopped by the police. If you've done nothing wrong, then you don't have to worry about it. But yet mm -hmm. people still get shot. People still get killed uh, for l literally just existing, just being in the in that place, in that spot with that person in this situation, talking about men and women in other situations you're talking about uh, minorities and police officers and I, I find it funny that a person who I would imagine and I'm certainly speculating but I imagine a person who is more liberal leaning in this situation is using the exact same argument that's also bullshit <laughs> for conservatives uh, you know for to in in police brutality situations so uh, I find that comical. Um, but yeah, the, the, the point that, and then the one woman said, uh, but that doesn't happen, you know, talking about false yeah. accusations, which is yeah. just, I mean, it's so, I, I, 
you you really have i'm just going to leave it pretty tame you you have to you have to educate yourself a little bit more on that if you <laughs> genuinely believe that that doesn't that's happen. just the thing about being that's just the thing about being so on one side of any argument mm-hmm. is that you're blind to the possibility that you could be wrong right or that there's any leeway at all with your stance on what you're believing in currently Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why it's good to look at stuff like this and good for them to talk to one another and get different opinions because before that, I mean, it seems like they were only talking to people who fortified and, you know, were in um, unison with what they believed in. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, oh point. my God, there's people who believe that this is wrong or that this is actually a good thing. What? Let me like find out why. And that's, that's good that they did that. And, you know, maybe some of them walked away and they're like, maybe I shouldn't be like too militant on my position. Um, And maybe I should consider, you know, the possibility that they could be right on X, Y, and Z, Hmm. but I still don't agree with them on these other things too. Um, So that's, that's just what, that's just more of what needs to happen around things like the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, police brutality, you know, these hot button issues that it's just like, you have to be with us or you're dead. Yeah. or you're just an asshole or you're done. Mm. And it's like, you know, I, I just would rather fully understand the entirety of the situation before I just emotionally jump to one side, you know? Yeah. And that's what people are doing with politics as well. And really with everything. Um, but yeah, when the me too movement, uh, first happened, I think probably, every guy went just kind of was like, man, in, in my life where there are moments where I was, you know, guilty of, you know, nothing crazy, but like, you know, you try to think back to times where you're like, man, was I too pushy in this scenario or was I too disrespectful, dismissive? to a woman, you know, not just in like a sexual way, but, you know, just in conversation or at work or something like that, you know, it just caught, it really caused me to reflect and, and, and look at different situations that I've been in, in my life and just be like, I don't, I mean, I don't know, not saying that I was, but I'm just saying like, you definitely for the first time stopped and you can kind of look back on your own life. And I think that's a positive that it brought is like mm. self-reflection. And then, you know, what can you do going forward to, you know, not necessarily live in fear. I, I don't feel like I need to live in fear, but I want to be respectful to women in every situation. And, you know, maybe I wasn't before, mm. um, or as much as I could have been potentially, but I'm certainly not going to be like scared, you know, because uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of different, there's a lot of different angles you can look at this from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No matter what though, you know, false accusations do occur. We've talked about them on the podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that doesn't at all mean that the Me Too movement should be shut down or anything like that. It, I, I think f for the most part, the Me Too movement has been fantastic. And I'll say it again, it's been an, a, a necessity, um, an, a necessary good that's, that's uh, come of this. Uh, but you just, you can't have blinders on about everything. Like you can't, you can't also just ignore the, the minority of situations that are unfair, uh, that people get accused and they didn't do anything and then their whole life is ruined. I mean, you know, that kind of stuff sticks with people. It sticks with, I mean, it, it certainly sticks with that person probably for the rest of their life. And it might even impact their relationships with other people, um, to, oh, yeah. to have somebody, uh, have their character questioned like that. I mean, maybe their friends might, might think back or might, uh, I don't know. I, you would hope not. I mean, you would hope that your friends and your, your family would be, would be pretty confident in what they assess as who you are and hopefully they wouldn't believe in in that accusation but you also never know but i mean when it comes to like businesses or sponsorships kind of what you were alluding to earlier a lot of people are trying to become a lot more independent because they don't want to deal with uh with the cancel culture the potential that they mm -hmm. say something i imagine that's especially true for like comedians which we've talked about a few oh, comedians yeah. now that have had sexual assault allegations and one of them ended up like which is so remarkably hard a matter of fact i'll throw in the word the name justin bieber uh justin bieber also had a sexual assault allegation and he had proof he had receipts showing that he was not at the location that uh he was being accused and the same with the crystalia situation and again, like if anybody has more information on this that I'm getting something wrong, feel free to correct me. But this is all based off of my understanding of these situations that these people had ended up proving that they were not guilty of this. Like they weren't even around. There was no possibility that they could have done it. And it's absolutely stunning that criminal charges aren't then processed especially like like maybe you have it you can't you can't prove it one way or another right so you say um okay well if you can't prove it one way or another there's gonna be no criminal charges across the board but if a person if a man then does prove hey i didn't do this and i have proof here's you know here's proof here's proof here's proof then i think it's up to the it, it should be criminally charged it should be um, then turned around so that mm -hmm. you you push people away that are uh, that just say that because of I think you mentioned this that they just don't like that person or they were rejected mm -hmm. by that person or whatever it might be mm -hmm. that you have some sort of repercussion so that people are dissuaded from just randomly blurting things out like that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think you know there's got to be. You know, there's there's punishment for someone, you know, like Harvey Weinstein mm. and for good reason, obviously. Yeah, so. But if you're making these accusations against someone who's completely innocent of those crimes, there has to be some sort of repercussion for your action and your uh, how you 
negatively impacted their life in that particular time frame and probably until the rest of time if they're very you know important or influential celebrity in particular and uh the same goes for people who try to pose as a different race have you seen the <laughs> the most recent person who did this oh. she's a professor at uh God, I don't, I don't know for sure. I think George Washington University or something like, or I don't know. It was a pretty, pretty reputable university. And she had been there for over a decade, I believe, as a professor. Yeah. And um, she was saying that her, she was uh, like of Dominican and African descent. And she like had you know, curly hair, curly black hair, and, you know, was pretty tan and obviously got away with it based on her looks and her name. And she went by the name of, I think it was, uh, Jessica La Bombarera <laughs> and, uh, really was a white woman from, uh, like the Midwest, a Jewish white woman who, came to this place and decided, you know what, I'm not a white person. I am uh, a black person and I'm going to now sort of take advantage of this situation and like, yeah. And then they're like, you're white. And uh, I don't know. I feel like she should have something <laughs> against her as well for just, I don't know. It's just that was the wildest thing to me. How how long she got away with that? Do you know how they found out? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm looking it up now. It's it, it's pretty wild. It's a wild story. Jessica Krug is her name, but Jessica La Bambalera was her, <laughs> which is a which is a wild name <laughs> to begin with, like an unbelievable name, like a parody name that you would do yeah. to like a Latino person. Afro Latina professor admits she's a white Jewish woman who pretended to be black. Why? <laughs> why did she admit? No, I mean, why? I mean, sure, I'm interested in that too. But like, why? <laughs> why would she pretend to be black? I don't. Um. Well, it's such a weird thing. Like, why do people do that kind of stuff? But I mean, on the other hand, I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know what to think nowadays. I really don't. I I really just I I I just close. I I, I kind of retreat into the the umbrella, the, the, the comfort of science. And then I, yeah. I defend that, like I will die, you know, I, I will die on that spear <laughs> on that sword of science. So if anybody assaults that, I'm very confident. I'm incredibly confident that that is accurate, but like, I don't know with these kind of social, um, social, ideas that were like being presented with like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable like i want to be as kind as a, and as inclusive as possible uh but 
like with this situation, you know, like I, I don't know. Like I, I understand like the way I react to it and the way you're reacting to it. It's like it seems ridiculous that a person would be like, hey, I just want to be black. So I'm just going to tell people I'm black. But I don't I don't know what like if five years from now I'm going to be considered socially insensitive or worse for thinking that it's ridiculous. I, I don't know what to think anymore. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just every day something outrageous happens and it's just like, well, tomorrow something even more insane is going to happen. So let's just roll with it. <laughs> this was her, this was her uh, biography that she posted um, while a professor, like on her, on the website, I guess, when yeah. you can look at the bio, Jess, let's see. She is unrepentant and un and an unreformed child of the hood. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, and it is just, and she's like, I'm on the uh, Harlem Cop Watch. Um, just everything I'm doing is consumed in the struggle for my community in El Barrio. And, um, I just don't know. I don't, it's not really saying why she is, why she decided to do it. She doesn't really say she's just very apologetic that she was a leech to the black community for yeah, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Whew. Yeah, I, th these kinds of stories are never going to end. But unfortunately, what happens is if you get the opposite, the other side that doesn't agree with, let's say, Black Lives Matter, for example, um, they end up like gravitating to these isolated, just bonkers stories and saying, look, see, you know, they, they don't even know their own community, <laughs> like stuff like that. And it's 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 just like so hurtful to the entire uh group yeah I, yeah i yeah it's just it's so, so hard ridiculous. to get the full picture on anything so it's like i just don't know how like i said i don't know how people can be all in on one side or one story or one right. person Unless right. it's like really a cut and dry thing, which some things definitely are. But uh, <laughs> you hope they remain. Yeah, they won't be in the future. If Biden gets in, they will be. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I'm kidding. I like how Trump uh, released that uh, statement about Columbus Day saying. Oh, God, what did he say? Oh, just like White House like he released this statement um it was like a written statement from the white house saying uh we recognize Happy christopher, columbus christopher columbus coming over on the <laughs> maria pinta santa josea santa maria, yeah, santa maria. and um that that was like a momentous occasion and it was like a huge landmark moment in history and all that stuff and like, and then saying 
you know, uh, activists and whatnot are trying to change this reality and stuff like that. And, oh man, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> yeah. He's just, uh, the ultimate troll. He really ultimate, is. He really is. The I, ultimate troll. He just, he knew that would just light people up on fire. If he, he said he, anything about. <laughs> totally. But he also <laughs> knew stuff. that that would specifically like get his base right of being like yeah like we agree like i'm glad he said something (laughs) you know because it's it used to be columbus day or at least maybe in certain areas it still is columbus day i don't know what the deal is with that but ultimately like some my calendar it is okay (laughs) (laughs) calendar from 1968 It's the Chevy calendar. Check your facts, buddy. It's Columbus Day. <laughs> <laughs> he just points at a calendar. Dog ram. I'll bring it out. <laughs> it's I'll my truck calendar. <laughs> yeah. What the hell do you think Columbus drove when he got to America? <laughs> <laughs> Pure uh, 415 horsepower octane. <laughs> did it have an Emmy? <laughs> Fuck yeah, it. <laughs> oh man, that's too good. <laughs> did it have an Emmy? Uh, mm. You think Columbus drove a Fiat? Hell no. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So we got 9-11, racism, sexual assault, Columbus. And people faking Anything being else? black. <laughs> yeah, people faking being black. Oh, no. well, for to wrap up the sports... Uh, the sports second. That's another segment. Sports second. Uh-huh. I thought it was pretty crazy to see Dak Prescott go out with a gruesome and horrific. Uh, what what would it what would that be called? A Thoughts and snapping prayers. Snapping of the leg. <laughs> what do what do they call that? A compound fracture. I believe that's uh, right. (laughs) And uh, Alex Smith, as I told everybody, had that happen to his leg Mm -hmm. two years ago, gruesomely. And he came back. And he had to have 17 surgeries. And he came back same day that Dak had a a similar injury. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Except I think Alex Smith also broke his tibia. Yeah, his was a little bit more severe, but if it was, if nothing had gone wrong in the surgery, he would have been able to come back obviously oh, yeah. way quicker. Yeah, that was terrible. Like, dude almost lost his leg and died, but. But he's back yeah, and I he played Dak, like trash. Yeah, he did play like trash. I can imagine you'd be pretty scared, but I mean, that team is just oh, yeah. garbage. Oh, yeah. Just garbage. The Washington <clears throat> Panthers won team. again. Yeah. Three and two. 
Three and two, going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you heard it here first. Um, but yeah, Dak Prescott. But he's only going to be out like four to six months. Yeah, they just have to. They just have to glue his his foot back <laughs> on. Weld his bone back. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh man. Yeah, that yeah. was. That's scary to see. You're like, oh, it's just, his his foot's just out of his shoe, and you're like, <clears throat> nope, that's not what it is. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope, that's not what it is. His foot is just sideways. <laughs> Yeah. Against his leg. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that was uh that was a pretty gruesome injury. But the Cowboys won behind Andy Dalton. Yep, they're back. Yeah. <laughs> they're back. <laughs> they beat the Barely they beating beat the, the Giants. Five Giants. Yeah. The Giants that were averaging <laughs> seventeen points passes. a game. Yeah, and right. Barely made field goal. I mean that dude tried to miss the field goal <laughs> it just barely snuck in yeah god i was watching well state one as well this weekend nice and i was hoping i was hoping for a perfect weekend in sports which rarely happens in my world <laughs> being a state and a panthers fan rarely yeah. that happens but they both won and i was like is the heat are the heat gonna win tonight oh wow yeah make it a perfect day and I thought, you know what? I think they will. So I bet all the money I had on the heat. <laughs> How you doing? So I really, <laughs> well, I forgot about it until I just said it. <laughs> Kyle's taking a moment. But you can help me out, right? Yeah, yeah, man. Here yeah, you I go, can, man. I can help you. I can help you. I'm gonna see you. Spot uh, me a couple of G's, couple of cool G's, <laughs> cool G's. Yeah, on my my uh, PhD student salary. Yeah, sweet. No, no problem, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna see you <laughs> right here in Baltimore begging. <laughs> oh yeah, tomorrow <laughs> with a sign. Yeah. I'm leaving right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the New York football giants, I believe they had like, mm -hmm. an, they were averaging like 13 points or something like that, or 12 points or 17 points a game of offense, and they ended up scoring 30 something. So that should be a pretty strong indictment against the, the Dallas football <clears throat> Cowboys. Yeah, they're they're trash. That they whole division just, is terrible. Um, that whole division is straight terrible. I would not I be mean, surprised if the, doesn't the get Cowboys went that. six and ten or something like that and won the division. And got in the playoffs. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. And the Panthers like go they win like nine games and don't get in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we really still don't know who the best team in the NFC South is. Everybody has like the same record now. Yeah. Yeah, that is strange. Well, the Saints, I guess, play tonight. 
I I think uh I mean I think the Saints will come well Saints are the Bucks, obviously. Well, maybe the Falcons. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't sleep on the Falcons. Don't, don't sleep on them. They'll uh they'll screw oh up. 0-5. Yeah, 0 and five. But he like that was they just like a, new, a preseason. They got a brand thing. new coach. It's fine. Did they really? They fired uh Dan Quinn, really? Oh, I didn't. I didn't even see yeah. that. I didn't see the breaking news. I've been avoiding ESPN for the last like two or three days, um, because of yeah, because you knew yeah. there was going to be nothing but Lakers coverage. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely. When I saw even at halftime last oh, night. Oh, that's I exactly when I stopped. I'm done. I was like halftime. They were down. They were down I'm at done. one point by like thirty. I was like, nope. Yeah. I'm done. I'm out. It's over. Yeah, got to tune out for at least a week now. Yep. From ESPN. Yep. About all the analysts but, suddenly flipping script and being like, LeBron James is just as good as he always has been. He's truly the GOAT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and his, his, uh, I didn't watch like the ceremony or whatever, but I caught like just a clip of him saying, uh, like, his speech as he got the MVP of the finals. Mm. He's like, he's like, the, he's like this team just wanted respect. The coach just wanted respect. The owners, the fans just wanted respect. And I want my damn respect. And everybody's like, Oh yeah. yeah. It's like, when did, when did people not, give you respect i don't understand yeah yeah saying that i mean to me he's a top 10 player of all time um yeah which i don't see how that's disrespectful but um all right. yeah i don't see how yeah but then again he's not talking to me obviously. anyway i don't know <laughs> pretty sensitive i mean kevin durant made a fake twitter to oh, respond yeah. to trolls about him that is ridiculous yeah <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, your team wins and you make it about you again. It's just yeah. strange. But, anyway, I, I, another thing about the state football game that I just remembered, apparently I was the last to find out. I had no idea that Ruffin McNeil is on our coaching staff now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah, But I just saw it like it's – it cut to him on the sideline because he was at Virginia for a while as well. And that's who we played. Yeah. And they're like, Ruffin McNeil. And they're like, I was like, what? <laughs> He's like special. His title is special advisor to the head coach. Special advisor to the head coach. Yeah. Um, and I was like, why not? Yeah. Why not? He, he did real well with the ECU pirates. So why yeah. not? We, we had a and they wrongfully let him go. Wrongfully, that after was behind a, a petition you signed, several terrible <laughs> seasons. Uh, yeah. Well, they've bounced back. Have they? Have they? I, I have not. <laughs> no, I, I have not looked up their uh, scores. I don't I, know. Actually, I I don't they were, believe. I know. They have. I know. I, last don't weekend, quote me on it. I'm quoting on you. I'm quoting you on it, but. <laughs> Last week, they were up, actually, by, like, two touchdowns on someone on a really good team. Really good. 
Uh, now I just need to figure out how to get there. What conference are we in? Have we been booted from the American conference? <laughs> East Carolina defeats South Florida. We are now one in two. Uh, well, not we. Oh. I still don't identify with any teams. East Carolina, 44 oh, yeah. to 24, defeats South Florida, who I said was a good team. They had won <laughs> one game this season. So <laughs> I was lying. <laughs> but who did they lose? Who did they lose to? <laughs> South UCF? Florida? Uh, no, who lost. did East Carolina lose? Oh, hold on. Who has ECU lost to? Wow, okay. Way to just like not show me ESPN. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. ESPN has not been showing records or scores lately. And that's another reason to boycott. A ESPN liberal conspiracy everybody. of c- I competition looked, I was like, trophies? what is the NFC South rankings? And they're like, Panthers are third at two and three. I'm like, it's been a day, bitch. We're three and two. Okay? Update your shit. I hate ESPN. I hate ESPN with a passion. Their top ten has sucked my whole life, and I hate them. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, we played number 13 at UCF. We got close to winning at 51 to 28. And then we played uh, Georgia State Panthers. So not Georgia Tech, not Georgia, Georgia State. Not Georgia. Oh, okay. We lost 49 to 29. So, and then now, but now (laughs) we've played, now we've played USF and we won 44 to 24. So we, so back on track. The ECU Pirates, not we, the ECU Pirates are now on track. And now they will be playing Navy next. Um, Ooh, and they always do swell against the Navy, right? <laughs> I think we've lost every game. Or they, they have. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> he can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop identifying with this terrible team. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well. Anyway, <clears throat> you want to call it quits here? Is has been enough of a sports <laughs> second? updating random people on the ecu pirates even i didn't care (laughs) (laughs) no no he didn't care nope all right well uh we covered a lot of topics i'll be posting the clips at some point Uh, thanks for stopping by folks as usual and uh yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. My brain has definitely reached the brain dead moment. Hmm. Well, good lucky enough for you. I'm here to talk about the rules of disc golf. <laughs> <laughs> As you will stimulate you back to life. Stimulate you. Stimulate you back to life. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
yeah, I love uh, I love people like that actually exist like that. There are people that exist like uh, that. There they, are. They find that kind of stuff so incredibly fascinating, and they have no concept that nobody else gives a <laughs> shit about what they're talking about. <laughs> Which, hey, it might be us actually. We may fall into exactly that category, but I nah. think it's so funny. Like disc golf or like marble, I don't know competitions or marble something. races yeah marble races or something like that you know? yeah oh man all right catch you next week see ya bye